What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and all the places you need your music to be. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in-store 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor fastest payouts they help out with automatic splits cover song clearance and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases i dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians bands studio artists DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home, and they also offer label services as well. They've got three different tiers to offer creators that start as low as $22.99 a year. That's just $1.92 per month, and even their top tier breaks down to only $7.50 per month. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper for you. Check out the link in the episode notes. I also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it'll give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKids sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their longtime support of this thing. Let's start the episode. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning into the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Tuesday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes clicking write a review giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so and that will help propel this thing into those tops of those itunes charts which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels helping strangers find the podcast in just a great way to contribute to the growth and sustainability of this thing i appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so if you're not listening on apple just hit like follow subscribe wherever you are listening from give it five stars on spotify tell a friend about the podcast check out the monthly playlists that i've been dropping every first of the month those are on spotify and apple music and uh pretty spread out genre wise just a snapshot of what i'm listening to throughout the month some things that are making it into my dj sets and uh, i'll put the links for those in the episode notes hope everybody is doing well out there stoked to get into episode 390 and share my conversation with london van roy who is the drummer for this incredible band called small league sink ships a band that was portland based for a long time and still is to some degree as you will hear in this chat but they just put out 
this new record called Low Tide. It's the band's first full-length release since 2017 when they put out their record Golden Calf. And they just announced some West Coast tour dates for February as well. So I wanted to have London on to chat with me about the new record. He's been on a couple times before, once for episode 137, in which we talked small leaks. And he was also my guest for episode 200. And that we talked more about his solo project called Cult Crimes and just kind of a general life chat so it was great to catch up with him on the mics and this is just a band that i love and i wanted to have on during this period of time which is sort of a countdown at this point to episode 400 which is wild so it was perfect timing that they just dropped this new record and announced these tour dates and one of the coolest things about starting this podcast and doing it for so long is the friendships that it has created for me. And London is an example of one of those friendships. He's become a homie over the years and I've appreciated the opportunity to get to know him and uh, the time that we've spent hanging out off the mics or outside of seeing each other at shows, which is another reason that I wanted to have him back on. So big thanks to him for taking the time to chat with me. He also hooked me up with Low Tide, the new Small Leaks record on vinyl, which was super sweet of him. And I've already given it a spin on the turntable. So if you like records, grab yourself a copy of this new record. The links for Small Leaks and their tour dates will be in the episode notes so that you can keep up with them. I'm super stoked to see them play in Portland at the Star Theater on March 2nd and supporting them on some of those tour dates is another one of my favorite Portland bands called Small Million. So those are going to be some very rad shows. Small Million was on episode 50 of this podcast, and I'm hoping to have them back on here during this countdown to 400 as well. But with all that, I hope y'all are hanging tough, surviving the holiday madness, and we are going to get in to episode 390 with Small Leaks Sink Ships, and we're going to kick off the episode with the first track off their Low Tide album. It's called A-E-I-O-U. Let's do the damn thing.
<laughs> cool segue, right? <laughs> yeah. Nailed it. Nailed it. I still got it. I still got it. I like it. Pumped to be back on the mics with you, my friends. It's been a minute. I was looking back. It was November of, uh, I think, 2018 that we did the first one where we did like a small leaks cast. It was. That makes sense. Probably within the year that Golden Calf was released. Yeah, because we did Golden Calf was 2017, but then we put out that EP in 2018. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we I think did we it. did a podcast like right in the middle of the two. Yeah, we did it right so around then. Like I was looking back at that. And so it's been what, like six years since there's been a new Small Leaks release? Dude, approaching six years. So we just put out this new one on October 20th, coming up on six, seven weeks now. So yeah, it has been, which is just crazy to think about it, you know? Yeah, we haven't put a record out since, we haven't put a full length out since 2017, but we haven't put any music out since 2018. Damn. I know. Who would have thought? And it's here. Low Tide is available wherever you listen to music. Low Tide! (laughs) So talk to me about the gap like the the six or seven years or so what happened in the the small leaks world in between all that time obviously we we had the two years of a a pandemic so i don't really know how active anything was around that time but yeah i feel like so much happened for uh not only small leaks but everybody in the world and many bands and musicians alike, I could only imagine. I saw some of the stories of what people went through, but yeah, it was chaos. It was it was hard to feel bad for yourself as a band or a musician when you knew how many other people were going through it too, and sometimes in worse ways, you know? Yeah. But so yeah, after we put out that EP, we did two tours. We made it all the way out to um, New York and back. So we did a full US tour everywhere except the South, I wanna say. And then we started working on new music actually right away in 2019 and we had finished or we thought we had finished a full album and um towards the end of 2019 we were kind of getting ready again to put out a new album we were talking about hitting the road again all this shit and then um yeah kind of at the same time we were signing with a new label like a big label we were dialing in these songs and then before we knew it, COVID hit. And then it was like, all right, everything's kind of unforeseen. What's going on? No idea. Um, then while we were finishing contracts with the new label, um, we realized two weeks turned into like two months, then three months, then four months, then all this shit. And uh, yeah, we were like, all right, well, let's see what's going on in the label. And no joke, they ghosted us. So they just kind of like dropped us without saying anything, which, you know, we were like, we were somewhat indifferent about changing labels at the time anyways. And so it was, it was weird, man. It was just like the strangest of times we're like, well, let's just sit back and see what happens. And then so many political and socioeconomic things happened. And then even within the band, like I can only imagine in other bands, like the, turmoil and fisticuffs mental fisticuffs that were happening with like different members in the band because it's like everybody had an opinion so much was going on and it was like oh my god the tension was just you could feel it everywhere (laughs) at all times and so we kind of sat back for a little while and then when we came together again to listen to the record um we weren't pumped on it it was weird it was like we had finished this thing 
we were super excited about it. And then once we kind of stepped away for five months and got back and realized, okay, we're not putting it out on this label. What are we going to do? Are we going to put it on our old label? Are we going to do it ourselves? We listened to this record and me and Judd kind of looked at each other and went, yeah, I'm not really that into this record. What? Why is it not hitting? Yeah. You know? And so we are like, do, well, do, what do we do? Then all of a sudden, Jim and Ryan, the other half of the band, like um, two months later or somewhere two to six months later, we're talking about moving. We're like, all right, well, you know, we'll still get together when we get together. And then we found out they're moving to Arizona. We're like, that's a far move. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, because y'all were like already kind of living not super close by within yeah. the vicinity of Oregon, it wasn't necessarily right. like everybody was in the city. Exactly. Together. We started out all in Portland. Jim was always just in Bend. Yeah. Then Jim moved to Redmond. Then Judd moved to uh, Smith Rock. So, me and Ryan were actually the only ones in Portland that were fairly close to each other up until about. Uh, 2020. And then once they moved to Arizona, um, I'm now the only one in Portland. Judd, who's now built uh, the small leak studio from the ground up on Smith Rock, which is gorgeous. He's done an immaculate job, dude. You have to come out and see it because like he just crushed it. It's like it's amazing. Like he put his heart and soul into it, worked so hard. And uh, so now we got a studio up at Smith Rock. We have my studio here in Portland. Um, the guys have a little spot in Arizona. So now we do some file sharing, but now we're talking about as we are um, working on new stuff that we need to all get together at the Smith Rock studio and kind yeah. of work on new stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. What do you think it was just even within that that first five month period that left you feeling a little disconnected from the record you thought you were going to release? I don't know, man. Like I look back on it sometimes and I seriously have no clue. Cause I remember I was like, these songs are rad. Like, this is cool. Yeah. You were going to put it on a record. Yeah, well, yeah, we were like, it's done. <laughs> Let's go. dude. And then all of a sudden it was, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the fact that enough time went on. Cause I know this happens to a lot of musicians when you finish a record and, a, and time goes by your brain for me, myself, anyways, my brain immediately goes to what's the next thing I I'm going to make, what is the next thing I'm going to work on? It's yeah. like, it becomes old quick. Yeah. And then when you start mixing and mastering and then making a music video, you just keep hearing it so many times that you are numb by it. Yeah. So I don't know if it was like we became numb by it before it even got a chance to be listened to or if it was just like maybe we were excited, but it never really we never really sat with it. And so all of a sudden going back to it for the first time was like and we I don't think we ever felt like these songs suck. It was just like not to that. Yeah standard that we hold ourselves to of like all right let's put this thing out you know so i think uh yeah after we listened to it we took more time again off for the rest of that winter and then i came up to judd's that summer of 2020 and we had decided what songs on here are still good enough to go which ones aren't and we kind of scratched half the record so half of the songs we started from new and then the other half that we left on, we kind of reconstruct, uh, reconstructed them to get to the place where we were pumped about again. Okay. Yeah. So Low Tide does have some of those like original ideas that we're going to make yeah. that record that didn't come out. Yeah. I think the one most intact is probably A-E-I-O-U, which is the first song on the record. And then um, Slow Down didn't change much. 
but everything else changed big time. And I want to say there's five songs that no one will ever see the light of day that <laughs> were completely replaced. <laughs> so do you think the biggest, um, like pro of the, the space and kind of the, the COVID pandemic lockdown was that you had that space to like reassess and, and not put out a record that you didn't really believe in? Absolutely. And you know, the thing too is like art does imitate life. And so everyone's going through so much then. And maybe that was it. Now that I think about it, like in hindsight, maybe that was it. Maybe so much was going on that then listening back to the rector wasn't necessarily the reflect reflecting what we were feeling right then. And it's just like, you're going through so much and you want to put that yeah, back into yeah. your music. It's like, all right, now let's actually do that. Yeah. Let's be truly <laughs> like this vulnerable. This record doesn't feel like it matches what's happening in <laughs> exactly. the world right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're all just singing about candy cane. We're like, this is the shit. <laughs> so was it tough to find these new songs that kind of like matched like whatever you did want to bring forward from the, the first set of recordings? That's a really good or question. Or like find the the through line between them since, you know, they were like the original ideas were created at such different times. I think so. I mean, I think I the ones that ended up going were definitely the ones that just did not like mean anything anymore or was just like going through the motion where the ones that did stay, we just knew like intuitively these have that potential. We still feel connected to these. These are like our babies in a way, you yeah. know, and they just need this like extra energy that's more appropriate or something that we aren't sitting there going, is this good? You know, <laughs> that's when, you know, like if you have to ask yourself, <laughs> did we, did we do good on this? Like, oh, no, <laughs> maybe not. That's not it. Yeah. That's, that's not, that's not it. How would you f say that, the like amidst this break, like, you know, in this six or seven years since new music has come out, like what have been maybe like the creative shifts between you all, since you are in, living in different places, like how has that affected writing new music and, and constructing this record? Oh man, massively because, um, so the main thing I did in that break, as you already know, is I started my first solo project so I started Cult Crimes in um, 2018 and 19 uh, as a little passion project. And it was much more electronic based, far more eccentric and just like very forward with those raw emotions. And I got to just focus just on that and kind of figuring myself out. And so I think going down that line also made me go down the line of listening to more electronic music in general yeah. and being inspired by uh, music more related to those themes and those type of melodies. And I got really crazy into like reconstructing rhythms and sampling and all kinds of stuff. You know, Judd was building a studio. So he is also like, he's becoming like an audio nerd at the same time. And, you know, picking up the cello more and seeing like the acoustics of everything. So me and him were almost on like totally different planes, but it was working in each other's benefit when we didn't even realize it until we got back together. And all of a sudden it was just like, I had something completely new to add to the table. He did, and we were just vibing off of that new energy. And it'd been a long time, you know, Small Leaks kind of started with just me and Judd moving in together and getting to know one another. And that's where the music kind of came from becoming best friends at the time. And then now it's like almost rekindling that yeah. and having that chemistry happen all over again with these new songs. Yeah, bringing all these new tools to the table that you've like learned from 
being away and making making your own shit for a while too exactly yeah 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 and it was exciting and it was like dude i mean aside from everything that was happening to the world at the time it's like personally i was uh we were making the new songs for the record mainly in 2021 and that was like easily the worst year of my life or definitely the hardest year of my life it's like i had never gone through uh the emotional turmoil i went through in my life i did that year and that played in it too like um my brother's father uh on the record which i think is the sixth or seventh track is it's crazy when someone asks me about it because i kind of like hesitate because it's a very very vulnerable song and it's based off in 2021 i had lost my dad and my brother six months apart which when you 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 lose a parent for the first time it's just like you know you don't you've never felt that before and then when you lose a sibling like six months later before you're even kind of over that first one it's just like yeah man dude what else what else yeah and that year dude that like a year became relentless um i lost a good buddy of mine uh my cat of 14 years that i loved to death uh lost him that year and then um it was weird because the end of that year we got the tour van stolen and this will tell you everything about going through that many different like emotional uh things in your life where <laughs> the end of that year the van gets stolen and i started laughing yeah where, where you're just like yeah yeah what the fuck i was like of course big yeah, deal yeah and uh my wife's looking at me like are you seriously laughing about this right now i'm like yeah i'm like it's hilarious and she's like are you being serious i'm like yeah i'm like i can't like it's nothing you know what i mean it's just like it's so that's so small at, compared to everything else that happened that yeah. it was just kind of like of course you know yeah yeah my um, brother's father is easily one of my favorite tracks on the record i think that was one of the ones i i told you stood out to me when i listened back and it took me a second because i knew what you had been through and like spent some time with you around that time that all that stuff happened and it kind of took me like a minute to realize while i was listening i was like oh this song is about the loss of these yeah. these two people like and yeah it's a powerful one man for sure thank you was thank it you. uh was it strange writing something like that? Like, had you, do you feel like you've ever kind of like touched on that sort of vulnerability within any of the, the songwriting you've done prior? Not like that. Not like that. It was he heavy, dude. And I was writing it in the height of, of when it happened. So it wasn't like I got to sit on it for a year and then write a song yeah. about something that's almost seems like your past now. It was like I was writing it that, you know, I started writing that a couple months after my brother had passed. And um, it was, dude, it was like, it was weird because, so Waiting on Water and My Brother's Father were the last two songs to be added to the album. And what they were essentially is My Brother's Father, that beat and that main, uh, bell, and the main bells, Judd wrote on his own. And then waiting on water, all the instruments I wrote on my own. And I just sent him that song and he sent me this song. And so they were like baseline structures. And then we took them and kind of did our thing on them. So at first it was to me, it was like this fun beat that I was having fun with. And then what started to come out, I wasn't ready for. And it just naturally just started to come out. And um, each day it took me a few weeks to finish. But each day I would go back and start working on it. It was like gut-wrenching. Yeah. I'd be in there working on it for like 30 minutes to an hour and then bawling my eyes out like yeah. losing it 
because I'd listen back and I could hear it. It was just like, it was just as heavy as it could possibly be. So I'd have to leave the studio, go home. But then it was like, you know, you have that obsession as an artist or musician. Where you're like, oh, I got to go. I, I need to go back. I need, I need to go work on this. It has to come out. It has to yeah. come out like this, you know. So I just kept doing it and it was like torture. It was like stabbing yourself over and over, you know. And so once I finally finished it and uh, sent it off to Judd, uh, it moved him big time. And he was like, that's it, dude. Yeah. And so he did like the last finishing touches and some production on it. And um, then we sent it over to Slater and Juno recording who he's the one who actually mixed the, the final mixes on all the songs. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's tough. Cause you gotta like, not only do you have to, you know, write, compose, arrange the song, but then you also have to like sit in the mixes of it and like figure out if it's sounding right. And you're just kind of like listening to this thing over and over for a while. I'm, yeah. Um, has it gotten easier for you to like hear that? song back or like is there is Definitely. there still just like a crazy emotional response from you like every time you hear it every once in a while it'll still hit me but not like when i first made it and when yeah. i first finished it and that was like even after i finished it it was done i'd go and listen to it and i'd be like Duh. Ugh, yeah. this is rough yeah this is rough and then but now no now it's kind of like it's nice. Yeah. You know, now I get to listen to it and it like sit with it and it and it brings me joy in a weird way where it's like, I'm glad I did this. I'm glad I finished it. And it feels like, uh, you know, an ode and a love letter to my uh, brother and my dad who yeah. aren't here anymore. So now it's kind of like, and just being brutally honest, like with all music, once you hear it so many times, you're like, it's another song. Yeah. <laughs> It had to have been like a positive tool for you, like amidst the process, though, for just for grieving, just like you're. Yes, you cathartic to the nth degree. <laughs> <laughs> song has its own you know sentimental ties but do you feel like the uh kind of rings true with the rest of the record as far as like maybe this being 
the most vulnerable small leaks record or do you think it was just kind of specific to that song i think so i definitely think it's the most uh, vulnerable small leaks record and akin to face yourself which i think we put out in 2015 where the band went through a lot like in um from before leading up to 2015 and it was like okay we're putting all this in and then it seemed like okay again like the band is going through a lot again both individually and as a collective where there was at one point even there were like when we listened back to the record and we weren't pumped on again we're like this is it because i had always said i've always said even doing a solo thing i only ever said the days i stopped doing small leagues or i'm done with this is when the music suffers nothing less than that once it gets to that point, then it's like, all right, I'm stepping away. And yeah. so that was the first moment listening back to that album and feeling that way. That was like, uh-oh, is this it? So the fact that we were able to, you know, salvage it and turn it into what we turned it into, all of a sudden it was like an extra lift and new excitement for sure. Yeah. And yeah, it, it is. It's a, I think it's a pretty vulnerable record. I think from song to song for sure. But yeah, Buying Time, My Brother's Father, Waiting on Water, floating for sure floating has hints of talking about my brother as well so yeah it was one for the books yeah man and like i know that your you know your band is not unfamiliar with facing adversity and like what y'all have like gone through over the years i'm so. over it <laughs> <laughs> dude it's so funny i was uh i didn't listen back but i was i was thinking back to this moment when we did the small leaks episode you and I hadn't really like become friends yet. Mm-hmm. It was like our first hang and I didn't really like know tons about the background of the band. Right. <laughs> You're all damn dude. <laughs> and you told me about the motorcycle accident. Oh, with Ryan. Yeah. With Ryan. <laughs> and you told me that like in the episode that like his brain like lives in a box or something. <laughs> I, I, I need to bring it up. I'm gonna. I, I gotta like. Yeah, you gotta it cut that here. in. It's but, right yeah. here. It's gonna be great to hear. <laughs> it, was, like, it was amazing. Oh my god! In a way that makes sense, but that kind of just explains Ryan uh, in general. <laughs> Ryan will always be the biggest weirdo. Like the things that come out of his come from his brain is on another <laughs> level, dude. That's wild. Um, you can expand upon whatever you feel comfortable, but. I mean, when when you're talking about those struggles, you're talking about like some near death mm-hmm. stuff with two people in your band, right? Like you yeah. have like the accident with Ryan, right? Bad motorcycle accident, mm-hmm. and then which he actually died in that, and then um, they put his consciousness into a machine, and that's how he is now. No, not at all. Ryan wanted me to say that if you asked that question. So brutal. That's so brutal. <laughs> that's from Ryan. You know what? You know what sucks about about, about that. I, I mean, I appreciate it. I appreciate you're it. All, um, you're all. You're just I, looking at me like, what? I had, Yeah. I was just like, did I like him? I don't know. I just felt so bad about like, did I like sorry, terribly so fuck sorry. up research? You know, uh, because you know what? I didn't even, um, I had a, I had a good. lot. I felt like to like talk to you about just kind of going through all the music and stuff and what you're releasing now. And it wasn't honestly up until maybe like an, 30 minutes before you got here that you know i kind of just like browsed the website and oh interesting and and looked at like what was there this is like the bio and and you know, like i knew who the players were in, in your band but then i read the bio and it, and, and it brings up these things you know so i was just like i don't know this seems like kind of an important part of the story in some oh, way absolutely. or at least it shows like 
the perseverance of it? Because is is it after the motorcycle accident then that Judd deals with some like about with cancer? Oh yeah, yeah. It was pretty much like once Ryan was not completely. But yeah, healed. it feels like you can definitely like hear all of the. I don't know, just the the things that y'all have have learned in the meantime and applied to good. this record. Like the production is oh, yeah. just so so good on this record. And just like in thinking about the production, was there just like an incredible amount of hours put in to each song? Big time. Yeah. I mean this thing took uh no joke, like collectively between me and Judd and Slater almost a year to mix just about. So me and Judd did like rough mixes on where we kind of wanted things and where it was, um, you know, we were, we're like, all right, we're, we're satisfied with this for the most part. Here's a million notes and then sent it off to Slater. And, uh, then it was almost like we spent a month and a half on each song. And even then we started out, uh, I think floating and girls just want to have fun were the first two songs we mixed. And, um, when we started, then there was like another section of time where we wanted to fix some other other little parts on the songs, did that, then came back to those, and we're like, oh, these new mixes are great. Let's remix uh, Floating, and girls just want to have fun. <laughs> so Floating has, like, four different levels of mix on it, and yeah. I feel like I could hear it when I hear Floating more than anything else. I'm like, dude, this thing hits. It's funny. I have that in my notes of, like, when I was, you know, thinking about that particular question as far as the amount of time spent on the on the arrangements and the production and like floating was the one that like really came to mind right i feel like you can hear the, the care that went into it spending that many hours on a track and like what like how do you avoid the the pitfalls and knowing like just letting it go and being like it's this is where it's gonna be yeah you know i think that is the one thing that is like shifted and where it is really good uh when you've been in a band for so long because you get that prior experience for so many years of making that mistake with songs before where you then realize like oh this thing we worked on for it to be like three percent more polished (laughs) nobody notices nobody notices 
So that was, that was a big thing where it was ultimately like when it came to production and spending a lot of time, yeah, we wanted you to be able to hear all the nuances and it to really like punch and all those things that all musicians and artists want. But what was more important in production than anything else was that the feeling is there and the feeling is big and that being the focus. And so when we got to that point and we would start to like tweak things to start doing that like perfection reaching thing and we saw the feeling we go away, go, no, pull it back. Never mind. Don't do that. So that was an easy thing to go like, the feeling's more important than this being polished, but yeah, let's get it as good as we can without losing the feeling of it. For sure. How was the the sequencing process? Is it just you and you and Judd listening to different arrangements of like song to song and like figuring out like what matched best? Yeah, or- pretty much. I mean, it was I think the nice thing with me and Judd is we were usually on the exact same page without even having to try this time with where in the past it's been very different. And on this one, I would listen to it, you know, now that we're three hours apart, yeah, I'd listen to it, send him notes. He'd be doing the same and no joke, like 90% of the notes were the exact same. That's amazing. Yeah. So it was like, oh, cool. Word. We, we actually have good years now. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that's all that is? Is just like, you've spent so much time yeah. making music exactly. individually together yep. that like it's, it's just like easy to like hear what in. makes sense yeah yeah well and yeah 100 percent. because you know when you're younger too it's just like you know if i'm the drummer i just want the drums I'll, i'm like you can't hear that ghost note on the hi-hat in the third <laughs> track that needs to be louder and now it's like no dude that's not what is most important on the album so it's funny all that stuff kind of goes out the window and now you're just about making songs that from beginning to end keep the listener aka you the maker yeah. involved yeah Cause that's who you're making it for. Like the truth is you're making these songs for yourself. You're trying, you're making songs that you're like, you're proud of and you could get to the end of it and go, yes, yes. And then you're ready for the listener to hear it. However they want to listen to it. Sure. Yeah. Talk to me about what sparked the idea for doing the girls just want to have fun cover. So going back to when we almost signed with this, uh, big record label, that was the, um, caveat for the record is they wanted us to have two covers on the album because their label is really good at uh, pushing uh, covers and they get bands like big or something or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess it's just an easy way to play into the spot, the streaming algorithms, you know, somebody looks up that song, your version of it's going to come up every time too. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so I, I had always for the longest time, I joked about it, but deep down I was always serious as I've always secretly wanted to cover girls just want to have fun because a long time ago I was, uh, we were out and that song came on and for some reason my ear clicked into the fact that the lyrics were kind of sad when I would like, it was so strange. It was such a strange moment. We were out driving, the song comes on and it was like, uh, the second verse comes on. I think it's like daddy dear you know, you're still number one, but girls just want to have fun. And that whole verse is pretty much her saying like, look at, I know you don't approve of me, but you know, we want to do our thing. We want to fuck around. Yeah. We want to have a good time. <laughs> Give us a break. <laughs> but I was like, you know what? If you did it like a half step down and kind of slowed this down, it'd be a really somber song. So I, I brought it to the guys. And I was like, I want to do girls just want to have fun. And it was just like, what dude? And I'm like, yeah, I really, <laughs> 
I really do. And uh, it didn't take long to get Judd on board at all. I think like a week later, Judd's like, you know what? The more I think about it, the more I think we should do it. I was like, sit, let's go for it. <laughs> and then the other two guys were still just like, Jim and Ryan were like, ah, we, we trust you, but I'm still not gung-ho about this <laughs> at all. I'm like, I get it. Uh, so yeah, we ended up uh, rolling with it, turned out the way it did. And then um, the second cover, which I think a lot of people still don't know is a cover song, is track, I think it's eight or nine, I Love the Valley O. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know that was a cover. So, do you know who Shushu is? No. Uh, Xiu, Xiu. Not that cool, oh, London. Man, dude. You gotta get with it, bro. <laughs> the guy with the music podcast doesn't know the cool. You've never heard of Shushu? <laughs> Lame. Uh, solo artist um, that put out that song back in like 2002 or three, I want to say. And this was like right when me and Judd first had like met each other. Yeah. No, because we had started making music, I think in 08 or something. And we, one of us came across that song and we like bonded over that song. Cause okay. this is like raw, really ugly, but electronic and emotionally vulnerable song. And we just both really loved it. And then he he had said, after I picked Girls Just Want to fun, Have Fun, he was like, I know what I want to do for the second cover. And he's like, I want to do uh, I Love the Valio by Shushu. And I was like, oh, let's do it. And we actually struggled way more on covering that song than Girls. And I don't, it's weird because we've never done covers before at all. We've never thought about doing it. It's never been in our book. So we were just like, once the thing with the label fell through and we got ghosted uh we we're just like well still so do we still do the covers and i and both of us like yeah well, i don't know i don't know and then eventually we're just like let's just do it maybe it's a sign of like we were supposed to do covers one day you know so we did that one and that one was actually i love the valley o was tough to get down because we still want to do it like small leak style yeah but where do we go with this one because it's a very linear song there's no real like callbacks or any of that. So Judd first started out with it and he turned into this like kind of acoustic folk version. And then I took the second uh, half of the song and I just kept hitting a wall and everything I made, I was like, this is trash. This is, I'm, I, and you don't want to ruin someone else's song. Yeah. That's the other thing with cover, <laughs> covering someone else's song. You're like, I really don't want to put this out because what if he hears it? And he's yeah. like, that's dog. It like shit. really has to make sense when you're putting a cover out to at least like, I don't know, make a different statement with it yeah. or at least like, Maybe you're not going to make something like better necessarily, but it right. like, should have its own vision. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, that was, it was like, dude, I was just over and over everything I make. Uh, then finally one day I scratched it all. I went in my DAW, erased all of it. So I had to scratch, start from new. And so it gets to this part in the middle where it's like the quintessential middle bridge of the song but all it is is like four seconds of him going la 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 and then the song just comes back in that's kind of distorted from the original version and all of a sudden i was like eureka we're gonna go from an acoustic folk song to like an electronic dance song boom <laughs> boom and then i just <laughs> went for it yeah that's awesome super fun well when thinking about like girls just want to have fun what was it like trying to I don't know, just like make this different take on like such a classic song, like a song that everyone knows. Right. And oh, so, and that was the other thing. We were actually surprised that not, there weren't many covers of that song. Like you think a song like that, there'd be tons and tons of covers. Yeah. I don't think I've really ever heard it. really one. isn't, but you know who did do one? Portland Starfucker. 
Oh, really? Yeah. And I had heard it randomly at, um, what was the, what's that label shop that was on Hawthorne for a long time? Local label slash Tender Loving Empire. Tender Loving Empire. Still there. Yeah. yeah, there's a bunch of shops around town. Nice. Shout out to Tender Loving Empire. Oh, yeah. I love that shop. But yeah, so I was in there and it popped up on there and I was like, who is this? And so I looked up and saw it was them. But it's very in the fashion of the original. Okay. It's like, you can tell it's Starfucker, but it's still like very dancey, poppy, like joyous. Yeah. And so it was kind of easy to approach the song and making this um, broken down, melodramatic kind of um, symphonic version of it. That felt really comfortable for us. The only thing that was hard, like the beginning and the end of that song came together like bam, real quick. It was the middle that we're like, okay, how do we stitch this all together? And that just was the whole, just keep trying and trying and do new stuff. stuff and you and i we did a cult crimes episode mm-hmm. also it was episode 200 oh yeah that we did together right. and uh this is going to be episode 390 oh so we're almost shit. a couple almost. hundred episodes removed Man, from that the cycle continues my friend which is rad that is rad yeah i, and it. It I was, was i was so hoping you were about to say 400 i was like no <laughs> almost there we're almost yeah. there i'll be back i'll be uh, back in 10 episodes <laughs> be back in 10 episodes everybody. we won't even air this also i just really want to um get comment from the label that like ghosted you guys to open up this episode <laughs> and just be like hey i uh, just wanted to call in uh, i just wanted to know what happened with the uh, small leaks thing yeah. if you could just provide a comment to open up this episode <laughs> yes that would be great oh my god i know that was such a weird situation i mean it's funny it's like half of me totally gets it but come on just 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 straight up say we're not putting anything out yeah. and you could see why yeah. Like, yeah i get it makes a lot of sense yeah Talk but, to you in three years. <laughs> but as far as the cold crime stuff and like, that's another project that I just love. And 
I don't know, man. You're just like one of those people that I'm constantly inspired by, like all the stuff that you've gotten involved with, like cinematography and acting, like doing doing all that production stuff on oh, the yeah. on the flip side of music is has been so cool to see. And I got to like come by your space with, that you have with John and oh, like yeah. see y'all work like one day making that Sun King video. That was awesome. And that was I I've never really been on on site for anything like that mm -hmm. and it was just so cool to watch both of y'all work but oh that's too cool to hear um i'm curious how you feel like all of the the cult crimes stuff is kind of like informed the way that you wanted to move forward with the small league stuff as far as like your ideas i think it it definitely has given me a much bigger voice in the van in the band and not that I didn't already have one when it came to the creative process, but it definitely dialed in exactly what I wanted to do and what direction I wanted to go. And that not necessarily being like, this is the direction Small Leaks needs to go, yeah. but I want to implement this into it. And that's where I think when you're in a band as long as we are and you don't have those forms of evolution within yourself and the music you make, you can't apply it and then expect like a new record not to sound like something you put out, you know, two years ago, three years ago, whatever. And for us, that's always something we don't necessarily fear, but we just don't want to happen. We yeah. always want to be able to grow and like make something where we go, I genuinely like this better than the last record I put out. Even if there's some type of interim record where it's like, this is a transitional state, where I hear that in bands all the time that I love, where they put out an album, you're like, I don't know what's going on in this. It's super weird, but I feel like it's a transitional moment for them to get to the record they need to make, you yeah. know? Where... I think we've had glimpses of that in songs, but as far as albums, I've been able to say like every album we've made, I'm super proud of, and I'm even more proud of it than the last one we did. And I think, yeah, this having this time where we're not only going through individual life-changing moments, but that I'm also exploring new aspects of myself as an artist, musician, like you said, an actor, doing video. I never done visual work like I do it now, and Johnny really inspired that and pulled that out of me. and. Uh, to be able to work with him is just such a pleasure. I mean, I just, we both like look up to each other and that's yeah. just such a cool relationship to have, to be like, you know, we go and skate and ski and do all these fun activities. And then we come back to the studio and we'll have like hour to two hour long conversations about madness, <laughs> madness. <laughs> but then we get to create and like, it's always just such a good time and you walk away feeling renewed and, like how you should in any relationship if you have the right relationship you know it is something that like you feel genuine um fulfillment from and i've i, I think i said that to him one time because he's always explained our relationship as like you know i'm just here for the party london and you're here to crash the party and, <laughs> and it says so much it says so much through such a, a, a small saying but i i totally agree with them because it is i like I love, you know, kind of scratching the scab off and then, you know, seeing what's underneath the surface and it's never enough for me. And <laughs> he's always just like, you know, let's make a new fun thing. <laughs> and so it, it's, it's nice that we get to kind of share all those aspects because uh, I think one time he was like, you know, we were talking about well, like the everyone has this conversation with somebody and it's always usually behind closed doors of like what's the point of life what's what's the point of all this 
And I was like, you know, it's always good to have fun and joy and find love and treat the others around you um, the way you should. But ultimately, it's like I'm always looking for some type of fulfillment. Like that's the ultimate to me. Something that yeah. fulfills me. I'm just always like, hell yeah. I go in tomorrow like, life's amazing. Yeah. You and know? what's going to fill the cup now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Uh, it's so true. How are you going about? Now that you do have the two projects, how are you going about like discerning between this is a cult crimes song or this is a small leaks song? That is the hard part. And I've been kind of looking to other people to tell me that because sometimes I'll hear something where I'm like, there's the obvious ones where I'm like, this is definitely cult crimes and not small leaks at all. Yeah. But the other way around is, is almost like, this is somewhere in between the two. And then this one, I could see the small leaks potential, but because it's still just me, I don't know what that is until another band member gets their hands on it. Where it's like, if Judd feels inspired by it and starts doing something on it, yeah. then it's like, oh, cool. Yeah, this totally is a small leaks song or can be, you know? But a lot of time it's hard for me to discern unless it's very, very cult crimes. And what I mean by that is like listen to Righteous or Worthy Winter or something by Cult Crimes. You'd be like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would imagine Judd is like a, a key component then in helping you discern at times and being like, yeah, I can hear this as a, a small league song or. Yeah, exactly. Well, we uh, recently, because we wanted to, a lot of fans were asking us to release B-sides to the album and we're really iffy about putting out B-side stuff or stuff that we feel like it didn't make a cut, the cut for a reason. Yeah. And so we're very like, it's hard for us to put that out. So one thing we were kind of talking about recently is um, him putting out a solo track that I produce and me putting out a solo track that he produces under the small leaks umbrella and maybe like, you know, do little things to each other's tracks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the way we went about that is like I sent him everything um, that were practically complete songs by cult crimes and was like, pick one that you think could be a small leak song that you want to fuck with. And he's like, cool. And he did the same thing. He sent me a bunch of solo tracks and uh, I listened to him and right away he was like, I want to work on this one. I was like, cool. I want to work on that one. Yeah. So I think in uh, January, February, we'll probably release those. That's cool, man. It's, and it's also cool just hearing like how y'all worked on some of these songs where, you know, he's sending you an idea with a beat or like something like that, or you're sending him that. And then you're able to build like vocals and other production off of that. I would assume that that just like helps generate different ideas that you oh, wouldn't have yeah. had from maybe your own initial like music ideas. Absolutely. It's a blast, dude. Do you feel like the, all the video work that you've been doing, has that made you think about, making music differently or like can you always are you kind of always seeing a visual now for when you are making music that's that's the interesting part actually because before i ever started doing video stuff making music there's already some type of landscape in my head happening when i'm making it like whether it's a piano part or a drum part or i'm working on vocals some type of melody i could already see some type of visual piece playing out yeah so it never really happens the other way around like we won't be working on a visual piece and i'll think about music unless we're working on something i'm doing a score for so it's like we put out a um short film called Portland boyfriend uh, a couple months ago and I got to do the a lot of the sound the foley and the uh, score on that and that's really fun because it's usually instrumental for the most part and it's 
I don't know if it's extra easy to me because I'm already the type of person that I'm visual when I'm writing music. So when I see something visual, I'm like, oh, easy. It's supposed to be this. And I'll send it to John and half the time he's like, yep, that's it. With a few little tweaks, it's never like, no, wrong direction, dude. So I feel good there. I definitely feel confident in writing. I, and it's something I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to do scores and stuff for uh, movies. So the fact that I get to work on a short film, be in a short film, and then also do the music for it is like trifecta, dude. So yeah, we're working on another one right now that's a little bit longer, a little bit more involved that John wrote the entire thing for. And so... I imagine I'll be doing the music on that too. Yeah. Do you, uh, you feel like those music videos are just like this additional opportunity for the storytelling that you wouldn't be able to do without a visual that maybe I, the track can't capture? Definitely. And I think too, just learning from John's process where it's like, I always have all these like crazy ideas when it comes to a music video for a song already there. But now that I have the actual hands-on experience and seeing what he does, I know now what works and what doesn't work or like how to approach the crazy ideas you might have. And if that visual is going to work as a component to the song and yeah. make sense, you know? So like going into the waiting, waiting on water video, if it officially started as like, this needs to kind of be about duality in a sense. So you have this kind of like character representing light magic and this character representing dark magic and realizing they're both going after the same thing which is the source of energy and it's just it what's more important is that it's the piece that brings them together it's the tool that they can work on with each other and so that was kind of the whole breakdown of that and, and then and then you just kind of play around i mean you've seen when you were in this you were in the studio we're like well let's try this let's mess with this yeah it's it was improvisational exciting. yeah yeah I, I i don't know i just wasn't i guess I, yeah, I wasn't maybe like expecting all of the experimentation, you know, yeah. and, and it was just like so fun to see it all go down and just, just the dynamics between the two of you of, of <laughs> oh, yeah. how you're going about creating. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I think you were there. We did that uh, section. We were down in like that dungeon area yeah. where we're like spitting this goop <laughs> through, <laughs> through a hose to come out the mask yeah. that we put your cousin in. <laughs> and I just remember looking back at one point and you're like sitting in the stairway and you're just like, damn dude. <laughs> <Yeah>. Wild. <laughs> like, yeah, She's getting wild. Yeah. Balling on a budget, baby. <laughs> Blow harder. Blow harder. <laughs> yeah, I want to. Um, definitely want to play the episode out with "Waiting on Water." That video is. That's a cool video. Nice, thank you. Yeah, it looks great. Hell yeah, yeah. really appreciate it. Yeah, I love that one. That one is, out of all the stuff me and John have made, the one I look at and I'm just like, it's the most cinematography pleasing thing I've seen us do where I'm just like every shot regardless of like plot or narrative or pacing or any of that I'm just like every shot I look at I'm like gorgeous yeah it just looks beautiful yeah <laughs> also I love that Manzanita track I know that's one of the ones that Judd did oh yeah yeah Judd crushed it and um, there's that really cool making of Manzanita video that oh, is yeah. up on your YouTube channel I was checking that out earlier and just his kind of explanation of, of that song coming together. Yeah, we'll be doing a couple more of these um, off of songs that weren't single. So we'll have similar videos that kind of show a breakdown of them. Yeah, just him talking about how that song almost like existed before he even ever wrote it Yeah, in some ways. Which makes sense. I mean, I was like, the, the this happened with Pray for Pills too, funny enough. But 
every once in a while, Judd will come up with something that's vocals before anything else. Like, he'll just do vocals. So he yeah. did that thing that was just like him singing in a booth, and it was the line you hear the song open with. And that was the start of Manzanita. I think it came to him originally because we would go to Manzanita and rent a beach house as a band and then all our close friends every single year for Judd's birthday. So I think it's something like really close to him. And, you know, once the band got, we got our hands on it and we're able to turn it into a full ensemble, it just came together so quickly. It was like, ooh, this is nice, pleasing. It's a phenomenon that can happen sometimes. when I'm in a writing phase, is I will have a song that starts in the head, starts before I ever play a single note, and Manzanita is definitely one of those songs. Uh, it was pretty much completely written um, before I ever touched an instrument, uh, before we ever touched touched that song at all, and it's one that's stuck in my head um, for longer than a year. Um, and I was, I'm always amazed by that when, you know, you can write a song in your head, it sticks in your head. Um, you never record it or never play to it, and it just stays there. And you just know one day, like, you'll just record it. Uh, but Manzanilla is one of those important songs because it's kind of about me leaving the city. Um, and it was very fortuitous, it was very um, prophetic, for lack of a better phrase, uh, that uh, I was gonna leave the city and go to the country um so that song has a special special place for me and really kind of embodies that feeling of just being over the busy um rush of the city and the intensity and the anxiety that can come with that um and kind of lack of lack of humanness sometimes that that can that can make you feel that way right is completely different from one another yeah i'd say the way we produce is night and day from one another like we are two totally different producers writing i think we're both different but the same because we've influenced each other so much over the years so i have heard like aspects in his writing that i'm like oh that's cool that's I inspired that. I know I did. And vice versa. Like there's totally things I've taken from Judd's book where I'm like, I like that. I like the way you approach this. I like the way, you know, you unfold certain lyrics with certain melodies, but not on with the rhythm. And I've never thought of that because I'm, you know, a drummer before anything else. I'm always doing like rhythmic style vocals. Yeah. And so I've learned like harmonies and stacking harmonies from Judd, but then like now I've taken in this direction of weird pitch shifting and then samples with it. So it's a big turnaround. You get to like, this is how I started. This is what I was inspired by. Now full circle where I get to apply the whole thing. And I think that's what this record is. This record is like everything we've learned from when we started making music, going through everything we went through, both emotionally and technically, and then being able to be like, all right, this is what we want to make. Yeah. And being absolute about it, you know, for sure. It's really cool that, you know, you have like the two different producing styles, but you're able to like make this cohesive record and Mm -hmm. it feels like everything should live together for sure. Yeah. And now, especially knowing that like some of these songs were written, like her initial ideas came, 
you know, maybe five, six years ago mm-hmm. and we're able to hang with the new ideas is also very cool. Yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy to think like some of the AEIOU is six years old. It's so wild. <laughs> <laughs> it just came out. <laughs> what is, uh, because the way this record was made and maybe other small leaks records have been made this way too, but it seems like you all made this like pretty remotely at times. Mm-hmm. So what is it now? You just announced some tour dates, right? What's yep. it like trying to bring these songs to life? Some of them are uh, easier than others. And the ones that are really hard, it really comes down to, does this come off well live? Can we pull it off in the time we need to? Cause you know, the, uh, this tour, we're doing a West coast tour starting at the end of February. So it's February 29th starts on leap day, actually funny enough. So 29th through March 11th, we start in Seattle and work our way down and back up uh, all the way down to Phoenix and then come back up through Utah and Boise and come home. But yeah, doing some of these songs that are written extremely compartmentalized is like, whoa, okay, how do we do this? And I think putting all the parts together and like getting the song down is fine. We're able to do it. But it's like, does it translate live? Yeah. Does it feel like it's missing stuff? Yeah. And some of them, it's like, oh, this sounds even better. And then other ones, it's like, oof, this needs work. We need to figure out another way of doing this. So we definitely won't be playing the whole record live, but we'll be playing at least half the record, uh, both songs that started out as a full band and songs that me and Judd wrote. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think that's the move to like really be honest with yourselves too about the songs that aren't translating and mm-hmm. just be like we're not gonna play those because exactly. we're not gonna play a version of it that's going to do the song justice exactly and yeah you nailed it like that's just how i've always felt why why do it yeah that's the point also it's been so long since you guys have played live shows mm-hmm. that i'm sure the people that have been following your band for a long time will appreciate that you're not playing the whole record front to back and they will get to hear some older yeah small league songs as well you know yep we pretty much are playing songs from i think every album except our first and so it's a handful of songs from every album including eps and uh yeah i'd much rather play songs that uh we figured out how to make sound better live than they do on the album than the other way around yeah yeah lots of water themes on this record Yes. Yeah. Hence the hence the title Low Tide. You think that was just uh I don't know, did that just happen to be something you and Judd aligned on as far as lyrical content with the this batch of tunes? It it was very happenstance, dude. Surprisingly so. And uh I don't think we were even realized it even in the titles until we saw the list of the songs on the album. We were like floating, waiting on water manzanita we're like this is totally nautical theme and small leagues has always stayed away from that because of the name of our uh band even to the point when old labels tried to make like merch that was like ships and water themes we're like no no (laughs) we're not doing that yeah it's too on the nose (laughs) yeah so we were finally like hell it's organically happening so why not why not you know uh lean into it on this one for sure well You've maybe already touched on some of these things throughout our conversation, but just to like kind of wrap things up, where where do you feel like you see the most growth in this band from where you all started 
to this point, having this big gap in like from the last record? I think the biggest and most notable thing is that we've gone through so much as a band with each other and independently that there's no more walking on eggshells with us. Like we're very direct with each other and how we feel about something, um, how we want to work on something. Like there's just no, I'm going to say this so I don't hurt your feelings kind of, yeah. you know, attitude. We're just like very, very upfront with each other. And I would, this is, this is totally a piece of advice I would take um, if you're in a band or work with other people or collaborate is as the relationship goes on and you have that chemistry and you know what you're making is something worthwhile, like stick with it, but also be open to true criticism and telling each other how it is because only good things come out of that. It's never like, oh, he was honest with me and, and now- It ruined the song. It ruined the song. Because <laughs> if that happens or like, now we can't work together well, then you're not supposed to. That's yeah. the way I look. Like if you can't handle each other's critique and honesty about it, then yeah, maybe move on or do your own thing or whatever. But otherwise, like, I think it's extremely healthy. Yeah, just seems like you're swimming in deeper waters once you're like being completely honest with each other as far as like what you're able to create big time as well. Yeah. And maybe not putting out a record that you don't believe in. Exactly. Sometimes, you know, you, you might get to the point where everyone thinks you're not a band anymore, <laughs> not putting out music and all of a sudden being like, Hey, here's a new record and we're going on tour. Uh, because that's what might be necessary. Yeah, dude. I'm sure there's a lot of people that are really fucking pumped that Small League oh, Sink yeah. Ships is not a done deal and that y'all are going to go play some live shows and this new Low Tide record is so good. The production sounds amazing on it and I think you touched on it earlier, but it's it's very cool to go from from record to record from what y'all have put out over the years and like hear these significant differences, but also like feel like there's a, a familiar voice or a familiar thread that exists through all of it as well nice that's good yeah. to hear man thank you absolutely and i love you and I love you too. i'm so excited that we got to do this once again and i Very appreciate so. you you jumping on the mics with me and talking talking with me about i love it i love music. talking to you and there's only one thing missing one day we need to play hockey together that's the only thing that hasn't happened. We're going <laughs> to so, get you some ice skates. I know. We're getting you out I on the ice. I almost got some recently, Because God damn actually. it, I'm not getting rollerblades, all right? <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to find me out on the roller rink. I ain't doing the blades, baby. <laughs> I really do want to get some rollerblades for summer this year, though. For real. <laughs> for yeah. real. I want to get some fucking rollerblades. We got to get you going. We'll have to trade. We'll trade. Okay. We'll do it. We'll make it happen. <laughs> I'll wear your rollerblades out on the ice. Yes. Ooh, you wear my ice, ice skates yeah. out and on the, nothing will get the done. court. I like it. We'll just look like goofs. <laughs> All right, man. I want to play the episode out with Waiting on Water. We talked about that video earlier. Um, killer video. I'll put the link for that in the episode notes along with everything else. Um, do you remember anything about this track in particular coming together? Anything significant? No, other than this might be my favorite lyrics I've ever written. Yeah, I'm re I'm, I'm very pumped on uh, the lyrical content on this song. For sure. Me too. Hell yeah. That's London, everybody. What Small Lake Sink Ships. Uh, tour dates will be in the episode notes too. If you're on the West Coast, check this band out. I remember seeing your band. I had no idea who you were. I saw you guys at the Doug Fur. 
the the OG Doug Fur, rest in peace. New one, oh, new one will open soon. But I saw y'all, you you middled the night at Doug Fur, a rare monk show. I had no idea who Small League Sync Ships was and just absolutely blew me the fuck away. Yeah. And I was like, this is my new favorite Portland band. <laughs> and then uh, we, we chatted shortly after that and became homies. So I, uh, yeah, grateful for all that. And again, appreciate your time. Thanks Super stoked about this new record. And uh, playing it out with Waiting on Water. You got to give us, and it's a program to properly sail this thing out. I'm London Van Roy with Small Leaks, and it's a program. You nailed it, everybody. That's London. Check out Small Leaks Sink Ships. So much music to dive into if you are uh, new to the band, so definitely go back and check out the whole catalog. Get that new Low Tide record on vinyl. I just got a, uh, a copy courtesy of, of London. I'm excited to put it on my turntable later today. And that's the Jelly Jams, and we will catch you on the flip side, Portland, or wherever you are listening from. Peace. Give me just a little piece of your darling, darling heart. Give me just a little piece of your heart. That's the way that I can tell you this is how we play the game. Love can always play the game with your darling. Won't you ever take me for food? Give me just a little piece of your garden, darling. I can see the seed of all your pain. That's the way that I can tell you this is how to play the game. Give me just a little piece of your darling, darling, Give me just a little piece of your heart. That's the way that I can tell you this is how to play the game. Thank you.
shout out to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast and for their longtime support of this thing. Don't forget to find that discount link in the episode notes or in my Instagram bio. 30% off your first year membership with DistroKid, helping you get your music in all the places it needs to be. Stay up, stay tuned.